I hope you were paying attention when you got here today, uh, at least when we started the service. And as we were watching those scriptures uh, pass, the first music that kicked in, did anybody recognize it? Dun, 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 That's going to be the theme every Sunday from now on. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's because of the sermon title, Mission Impossible. It's a great theme. I love that theme. And even more so, I love the whole concept of Mission Impossible. It's To me, it was one of the greatest characters and themes ever written in the, in the spy thriller kind of genre. And um, I really like uh, how they updated it over the past X number of years. And uh, you have uh, Ethan Matthew Hunt uh, as the uh, action hero. Ethan Hunt is able to go out and he can swim about 70 miles, get out of the water and run about 70 more while pulling out a computer out of his back pocket and pulling a gun out of his other pocket and typing and shooting and, and I mean he's just amazing nothing the man cannot do and he almost always gets the girl <laughs> wow well that was a good first Sunday wanted to thank you all for being here I'm just kidding I'm just <laughs> just kidding <clears throat> you know as much as I love that whole theme, that whole concept, really, when you look at it and you dissect it and you consider it, um, Mission Impossible. If you, if you paid attention to the show back in the, back in the day or those movies, you'll note that even though it's a Mission Impossible, he almost always achieves his goal. Hmm. So it's really possible, that impossible mission. Today I want to talk to you about another mission and what might feel like it is mission impossible. If you would today, um, if you would open up the Word of God, and I want you to go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 28 is really, uh, verse 18 is going to be the, the beginning of our uh, mission. And it, it, I can't read the whole thing to you because if I do, we're going to spend way more time uh, than, than we really need to today. So uh, I want to just look at one verse. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Listen to it. Listen to <laughs> the power. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, God, I love you. And I thank you and I praise you today, Lord, that we can come and gather into this place. And Lord, that we can hear from you and hear from your word. Father, I thank you for the time of worship. And Father, I thank you for that, that beautiful song, that hymn, Be Thou My Vision. For Father, that is what I want more than anything. Father, I pray today that as we look at the word and as we consider this concept of, of being your agent of the gospel, Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts, Lord, that you would encourage us, Lord, that you would instruct us, and Lord, that we would uh, walk away from here ready and prepared to do that which you've called us to do. In Jesus' blessed and holy name, I pray. 
Amen. Jesus, as he was getting ready to ascend to the Father and be seated at the right hand of the throne of God, he gave the mission. He put the mission before us. If you remember that TV show back in the day, Mission Impossible, uh, the agent would uh, go and he would get an envelope or he would sit down on a bench and reach under it and pull out a tape recorder or something and he would press the button and the, the mission would start playing. And your mission, if you choose to accept it, and whatever the mission was, and then at the end it would say, this tape will self-destruct in 10 seconds. Then it would start smoking and go away. I used to love that. I would, keep in mind, I was a young boy when I was so enthralled with that. And then I consider this mission. I want you to understand this mission that we've been given isn't one that Jesus gave to us and will self-destruct. No, it's a, it's a mission that goes on through the ages. And the only time, the only time that that's going to change is at the end of this age and when we are face to face with him that's when the mission will be complete jesus he went to the father he left us our mission and should we choose to accept it get this he made it so we can not only accept it but he made it so that you and i could find success well, y'all need to get happy about that. <laughs> Imagine if you're on a football team and I told you we're going to go out and we're going to play football tonight, but no matter what we do, no matter how bad we are, we're going to win. That'd be a, I'd, I'd join that team all day long. Well, Jesus has given us the mission, but he made it not only so that we could accept it, but he made it so that we can and will find success. Hmm. In Luke chapter 19, go over there with me real quick. Luke, I, I just said chapter 19. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Listen to what he said. He's talking, while you're going there, he's, he's talking to the 70 uh, who returned with joy, saying the Lord, even, uh, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then verse 18, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Verse 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Did you hear that promise? Do you hear that promise? Nothing will hurt you. That's pretty good promise. You might want to highlight that. So, we've been given the mission. We've been given everything that we need to do that mission. But I want to go back and I want to start at the beginning. And then I want to move forward and see where we stand today when it comes to this mission. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 3. I'm not going to make you run all over scripture any more than this. Go back there. Go back there with me real quick. Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to begin reading with verse 9. Are you there? Are you ready? Let's go. <laughs> then the Lord, then the Lord God called to Adam 
And he said to him, where are you? Tony, I think you went over this just fairly recently. Where are you? Man. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that? You were naked. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. You know, from my estimation, in all of Scripture, this is one of the saddest moments in Scripture. Uh, you could argue and say, well, they've already sinned, and that was, the, that was the, the worst part. But this, to me, I love this concept of the fact that, and this I, I don't want to add unto or take away from Scripture, and I'm not doing that. I'm just... Uh, Jesus, or God was walking in the cool of the evening, and he's, he's talking, he's looking for Adam and Eve, and, and I believe that that was probably a regular. It was probably something that they did on a regular. It, it, God would come and walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. What did they talk about? I don't know. Look, look at the antelope, or, or wow, there's a bison, or look at the birds of the air, or, or they would talk, and they would fellowship together. And, and, and then on this moment, they've, they've sinned, and, and God's looking for them, and he says, who told you you were even naked? Who did you eat? Of that one tree, I said not to. And what I'm pointing to here this morning is that up to that moment when Eve and Adam partook of the fruit, the forbidden fruit, up to that moment, they had dominion over everything. And in that moment, they give it up. They give it up, and they are no longer <laughs> in dominion over everything. They gave it over to the devil in the Garden of Eden. Well, I got good news for you this morning. It's exciting. That's, that's, that's a very sad moment in, in the history of humanity, and we've battled with it all of our lives. But up to this point, I want you to understand that dominion, even though it was first given to man and man gave it back and, and relinquished it to the enemy, Jesus received it back from the Father. And not only did Jesus receive it back from the Father, but then when he is ascending, when he's exiting stage left, going to be seated at the right hand of the Father, that, that place of power, he says, I'm giving you that dominion back. He's giving authority back to each and every one of us. <laughs> that ought to make you excited because you have a mission. 
You have a mission, and if you're going to achieve your mission, you have to have something to be able to achieve that, and that is the authority that Jesus has left to us. So I want to just ask very, three very quick and simple questions this morning. Number one, does Jesus have authority over the devil? Yes. Yes. Jesus has authority over the devil. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the second in the Godhead. Jesus, who lived a perfect life on this planet, he walked this earth and he was tempted by every temptation that is common unto man and did not fail not one time. Not one time did Jesus cave in to sin. He lived the perfect life. He was the substitutionary death for all of mankind. He was placed on the cross. He climbed on the cross and was put to death, taken down from that cross, placed in a borrowed tomb, raised on the third day to walk <laughs> and, and never die. He made a way for you and I. He gained authority over the devil. I think that's awesome because if he can do that, then he can give that to you and I. And he has. He promises us that. He says, I give you the authority to do the mission that I have given you. Oh, We'll talk more about that mission in a few minutes. I just want you to know that you've got authority. You've got authority over the enemy. But I want you to understand one thing, and this is a personal thing for me. I don't, I don't find a need to ever give the enemy the, 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 the honor or to, to elevate him high enough to even speak to him. I don't talk to him. I don't, I'd rather not have any conversation with the enemy. You know what? I do battle the enemy. How do I do that? The best way to do it is to give it all back to the Savior. Lord, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, he's on my heels. And I, can't, I can't defeat him. He's powerful, but I know you can. You who are in me, you who have saved me, you can. Hmm. What is it? What is it that's, that's needful for us to battle the enemy? We're going to talk a little bit more about that at the end. Don't let me forget it. We'll come back to it. Number two, does Jesus have the victory? Yes. You can say that with great vigor. Does Jesus have the victory? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes, he does. Jesus is victorious. Jesus walks in victory. Jesus lives in victory. I'm looking for my phone because I love what we sung this morning. And if you caught me taking pictures, um, it's because I was taking pictures. <laughs> taking pictures of the screen because we just sang, once we were the slaves and prisoners, now we're children of the king, the favored sons and daughters saved by the blood of Jesus. We went on and we sang, so tell me death, where is your victory? And tell me grave, where is your sting? You've been swallowed up in life forever by the blood of Jesus. Once we were the slaves and prisoners, now we're children of the king, the favored sons and daughters saved by the blood of Jesus. Jesus walks in victory. Jesus gives us victory. You ready? 
Are you ready? Yes. Then get ready. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Next verse. No, I'm just kidding. Isn't that beautiful? It's just that whole thought. And I, I love that we know that song and are able just to recall it. We've sung it so much, but I want you to understand that it's not just rote memory. I hope that that means what it means to you, what it's supposed to mean. I got a good friend of mine. He, he said it this way, and I love it so much. He said, man, the most beautiful part about being a child of God is that I'm blood-bought and bulletproof. Man, I love that. There's nothing the enemy can do. I walk in victory, and there's nothing that the enemy can do. He can come in here, and he can shoot me right between the eyes, and he has done nothing to me except usher me into the presence of my Savior. Blood-bought and bulletproof. There's nothing that he can do. When we understand that, we can walk in victory. We can walk in the victory that only comes by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have victory because Jesus has the victory. And number three, is Jesus enthroned? Some of you are saying yes, and the question is, what does that even really mean? What does it really mean to say that Jesus is enthroned? Well, I've already talked about the fact that he gave the, the Great Commission, and, and then very shortly after that, he ascended to be with the Father, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. What's Jesus doing as he's seated at the right hand of the Father? Is he just kicked back? He came and lived the perfect life, gave his life. It was a horrible event, but he was victorious over it all, and he's gone to sit at the right hand of the Father. What's he doing? He's interceding for you and I. Absolutely he is. How do we find victory? <laughs> when I got the Son of God, the second in the Godhead, interceding to the very Father, God, on my behalf, I, how can I not be victorious? How can I not enjoy the authority that Jesus gave? The Son of God is talking to God the Father about me. Wow. Seated at the right hand of the Father. That's the position of power. But that's not all he's doing. You know what else he's doing? <laughs> Again, taking a little bit of liberty here, but I really believe that there is something to be said about the fact that Jesus is sitting there while interceding and doing all that he's doing. He's, he's busy, but he's waiting. He's waiting on this. He's waiting on God the Father to give him what I call, and this is not scriptural, this is not scripture, so I don't, you won't find these words in scripture. I think he's waiting on God the Father to look at him and give him the holy nod. This is what it's going to look like in my mind's eye. Go get your, <laughs> go get your bride. I don't know when that's going to be. 
we could do a long talk about this, but Jesus doesn't even know when it's going to be. God the Father knows when he's going to look at his son and say, go get your bride. That's when it all kicks in, folks. That's when glory happens. That's when the eastern sky splits open. There's a, a heavenly shout. There's a trumpet sound. And, and the, all the dead will rise first. And then all of us will be gathered with them in the air. And it's going to be a great and glorious moment. I had an old friend of mine who we were standing in a cemetery getting ready to do a, a funeral. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I don't like to think of this as a graveyard. I like to think of this as something much more glorious. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I like to envision, you know, in the ground all around us are caskets and, and there are people who have gone on before us and they're all here but he said this isn't a graveyard it's not a cemetery he said I like to think of it just as a place full of a bunch of jewelry boxes wow go get your bride Poof. what a moment that's going to be my savior my Lord, coming to get the bride. He is enthroned, and yes, he is busy, and he's working for us. <laughs> My question to you this morning, <laughs> well, let me first make a statement. The victory is yours through Jesus Christ. The victory is yours. You gain victory through Jesus Christ. You get the victory through Jesus Christ. Let me make one other statement to make it abundantly clear. You get the victory through Jesus Christ. Hmm. Your personal battle, your hardest struggle, your most difficult relationship, you can get the victory through Jesus Christ. Let, let me go on real quick and, and go ahead and read the rest of that for you. Matthew 28, 18, we read that. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And he says, go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Real quick, I want you to note what is not written there. This is important. It did not say, go therefore into all the world and save people. It did not say, go into all the world and judge the world. It did not say go into all the world and fix the world. It says go into all the world, listen, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So my question to you today, if, if we're not there to save them or to correct them or to judge them, what are we there to do? We're there, it says very abundantly, clearly, that we are to make disciples, to baptize and make disciples. We are there to proclaim the word of God far and wide. And he says, I will give the increase. 
He says, I will do all of the saving. He says, what I need you to do is I need you to be obedient to the mission that I have given you. That mission, impossible. How can we possibly at Shadow Mountain Church in Gardnerville, Minden, Nevada, possibly go into all the world and proclaim it all over the place and make disciples all over the place? How can we? That, that is what? That's impossible. That's an impossible mission. Hmm. Well, if you believe that statement, that's part of the problem. If you believe it's a mission impossible, that's part of the problem. Let me, let me, let me, I don't want to say play a game. Let's play a game. <laughs> How many of you, I want you to be honest. You're in church. Everybody's looking. <laughs> I want you to be honest. How many of you have something that you're afraid of? Keep your hand up. This is good because I want you to look around the room real quick. Look around the room. Go ahead and say it. Say chicken. <laughs> now, you'll note that everybody's hand went up. Now, let's finish the game. What are you afraid of? Say it out loud. Heights? Alligators? More heights? More alligators. <laughs> Spiders? Snakes? Fear? Absence from God. Absence from God. Suffering. Suffering. Commitment. Commitment. Unsaved. Unsaved. Public, speaking. Public speaking. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Fear. Fear and all those things. Uh, you can take all of that to Jesus, okay? But I want you to pay close attention to this mission that we've been given. This mission is a mission to go, very plainly, go. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe <clears throat> all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That is our mission. It's, it's preceded by all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He's handing that authority to us to accomplish this mission. The question is, why is the church not more effective at fulfilling this mission? This mission is to go and to share Christ with the lost and dying world. Not to save anybody, not to... Not, no, we are the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. We are the proclaiming voice of the gospel, we are to go and share. So why is it that we are ineffective by and large in so many ways at getting the gospel to the far reaches and the far corners of the earth? My answer, and you can write this down, it's a four-letter word, F-E-A-R. It's fear. It's fear. Can I share Jesus with you? Never mind, I'm sorry. I'm afraid you're going to not like me. <laughs> and as silly as that looked, that's the conversation that happens in our head more often than not, I believe. 
I should share Christ with him. But I'm afraid he's going to laugh at me. I'm afraid he's going to snarl at me. I'm afraid he's going to tell bad things about me. I'm afraid, I'm afraid of what the response is going to be. But can I tell you this? I haven't looked it up. I, I knew this statistic a long time ago. But I'll use my, um, my evangelical numbering system. In other words, I'm making this up. But it's close. It's either seven, eight, or nine out of ten people that you meet out here on the street are open to and want to hear the gospel. All they're waiting for is somebody to reach out to them and tell them. In our minds, about one out of ten would be open to hearing it, and the rest are going to hit us in the head if we say anything like Jesus or salvation. And it's fear that stops us from doing the mission. It seems like a mission impossible. So I'm just going to get dressed on Sunday morning in some of my finer clothes. I'm going to squirt some perfume on. Men, some of you could use some cologne. <laughs> I'm going to come to church and I'm going to fulfill my religious duty by sitting in a church service. And then I'm going to go about my week. And I really hope those people hear about Jesus somewhere. Because I'm afraid I can't do it. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit what your fears are. And then I want you to go and confess those fears as sin to the Father. Confess it. <laughs> and part of that confession is I want to do more. I want to do better. I want to fulfill the mission. You'll see on your fill-ins, that last one, they missed it in the first service, so I want to make this abundantly clear. Repent, and then reach up and take hold of his outstretched righteous right hand, and he, he will sustain you. He will sustain us, and we will walk in victory. Oh, victory in Jesus. You know, I know people, and this is, I, I'm probably the uncommon person in the room. I'm the one in the room that's uncommon. Back where I came from, back on the other end of the United States, I know of people, I know of many people who don't know Jesus. And God help me for those who I do know of and I never shared the gospel with them. You know one of the funnest things about coming to Nevada for me? There's two things. Number one, I got to bring her with me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but number two is I get a fresh, brand new start in my walk with Jesus. Here's, here's the freshest, newest, neatest part is I get to make certain that when I meet somebody, whether they're a waitress, a waiter, a barber, a cashier, a person walking down the street, a dog. No, they're probably not a dog. But everybody else, I get to say, 
hey, do you go to church anywhere? Or hey, what do you understand it takes for a person to go to heaven? Or hey, can I tell you about my Jesus? Hey, did you know I'm a Christian? Hey, there's so many ways to get this thing started. Hey, do you like football? That's a great lead in. Really? Do you like the saints? I'm a saint, not a football player, but I'm a saint. I'm a Christian. Can I tell you about Jesus? There's so many ways to get to him. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Whatever it takes. We're called to the mission. And in my adult mind, in my Christian walk, in my faith, I get to make this thing called faith fun. So when I meet somebody new in Nevada, in Gardnerville, Minden, Carson City, Reno, Carson Valley, I'm catching on. When I meet somebody in the back of my mind, there's this little theme song playing. You know what it sounds like? Dun, 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 dun. Hi, my name's Daniel. What's yours? I want to tell you about the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. It's Jesus. Father, forgive me when my fear overcomes me. Use me. I want to, I want to show people Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way back to the Father. Pray with me, will you? Heavenly Father, oh God, I love you, and I praise you, and I thank you today. Father, I thank you for the privilege and the honor to be here in this pulpit. Father, so much more than that, I thank you for the privilege and the honor to open up the Word of God and to consider all that is here. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that this has just been simply a rudimentary encouragement for us to realize that we have been called to the mission to be the church, to live the church, to speak the church, and all of that encompassed by one simple thing, and that is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that this town, that this region, that this county, that this state, that this world will know about Jesus Christ, and they will have every opportunity to accept him as personal Lord and Savior and become one of his disciples. God, I love you, I praise you, and I thank you for this church, Lord, for what we stand for and what we are about to do. God, I love you, and I praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.